he's picking. There it is. We're good. Let's gather ourselves for a minute in um, silence and then Cindy will lead us in our opening. Good morning. Welcome to worship at Oak Forest Presbyterian Church this morning. We're so glad that you are here. And we welcome Reverend Catherine Cameron today, who has been with us before. I welcome her back to church this morning and we thank you for being here. Uh, I have two announcements to make this morning. Bible study will not be held this week. Uh, second announcement is we are having our session meeting on uh, next Sunday, this coming Sunday, the 16th, uh, immediately following Sunday school. Now may we turn our hearts and minds to worship. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Praise the Lord. Let us give thanks with our whole hearts. The Lord is full of majesty and honor. God's righteousness endures forever. Um, and Willie's going to lead us in our first hymn, number 420, in the blue hymn book, God of Grace and God of Glory. Please stand as you are able.
As we sing, we pray. Save us from weak resignation to the evils that we deplore. And as we come to our time of confession, we are reminded that God gives us all that we need to respond in faith, even when evil seems ever-present. And even when we are faithless, Christ remains faithful. Therefore, trusting in God's faith, in God's grace, we confess our sins, praying together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In our baptism, we die with Christ, and we are raised with Christ. Friends, hear the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. As God's own forgiven people, we share with one another the peace of Christ. As those who have peace with God, we share signs of peace with one another in these words, the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. And also with you. Let us pray. These are your words, O God. Humble us to speak their weight. Strengthen us to hear their truth. Unbind us to live their call. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, for the sake of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from Psalms 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. 
He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to thank you for having me back to worship with you. This is such a wonderful congregation. Um, And I've had the opportunity to worship with you in years past, and then most recently in February. So I looked back at the bulletin from February, and I realized that I was preaching from Jeremiah then, Jeremiah and Luke. Um, So uh, it's kind of fun to be here in the fall and to think about what Jeremiah is saying to us now. It's not the spring anymore. All things are not possible. It's the time of closing down and coming together as we face the winter. The second scripture lesson is Jeremiah chapter 29. And I'm going to read not only verse 1, but verses 2, 3, and 4 through 7. Um, So you'll hear some odd names, um, and I hope that uh, I pronounce them correctly. And yet, because they are foreign to us, in some ways they give us the context that the people would have heard these words, for they were indeed in a foreign land exiled to Babylon. Listen to the words of God as they come to us from Jeremiah. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all of the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the Queen Mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from the city. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasah, son of Stephan and Gamariah, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And this is what Jeremiah's letter said. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear children. Multiply there and do not 
decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is the word of the Lord. How can we sing praises in a strange land? That's the question that Jeremiah's people asked. And, you know, they asked themselves. They asked each other. They asked Jeremiah, who was back in Jerusalem, and anyone who might be able to give them an answer. For it was the end of the world for them, the end of the world as they knew it. At least that's what it might have felt like. It was the end of the world as they had known it in Jerusalem and in Judah as well, for the kingdom of David had been split by this time And all of what was left of David's kingdom was gone. The land was gone. We might imagine, as we look tomorrow to what is now called, among many, Indigenous Peoples Day, to the fact that many Indigenous peoples around the world have felt exiled in their own countries. When Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem, he looted the temple and he tore down the schools. He took the chief priest hostage and he exiled all the pastors, the surviving elders, ministers, teachers, students, prophets, They were all now in Babylon. The religious establishment disbanded, and for them the religious uh, establishment was also the political and the economic establishment. It was all one. It's been disbanded, and they're traumatized. And so they needed a prophetic and pastoral word for themselves. Now, imagine if their story was our story. Our national government collapses under an evasive power. There's no remnant of the rule of law. There's no representative government. The president and first lady, the vice president and the first gentleman. I love being able to say that. The Supreme Court and the Congress, they've all been exiled. All the artists in New York and the healthcare workers in Asheville have been separated from their families and they have been exiled as well. And all of the places of worship, all, all of the places of worship in all of the 3,243 counties and county equivalents in the United States territories, all are dissolved. 
How can we sing God's praises in this strange land? To those terrified and pandemic-shocked exiles, the prophet Jeremiah sends a pastoral letter. And you're familiar with a pastoral letter. It's, it's the kind that we find in the New Testament. Many of them are from Paul, but there are others from other folks. It's a letter addressed to the people to give them a sense of God's presence, remind them of that perhaps, and give them a sense of hope. That this letter came from Jeremiah is some indication of just how bad things were because Jeremiah was not a big deal. He was a country boy trying to make it among the other prophets that were well known. You know, we have a large book of Jeremiah these days, and his, his words have become a major uh, influence in our sense of what it means to be a prophet. But that was not true then. Then he was just the unknown one, and he was the one who had been left behind in Babylon, excuse me, in Jerusalem. The Babylonians did not think that he was worth the gas money to send him into exile. So Jeremiah, who had been an outsider in his own hometown, does that sound familiar? Jesus was an outsider in his own hometown. And Jeremiah, now in a position to serve God, by the people who rejected him. Not only his own people, but those captors who have made him into a person who must endure. So Jeremiah told the exiles, plan on staying in Babylon for the foreseeable future. Build homes, settle down, get married, have children, and watch your children grow. Plan to be grandparents in Babylon, he implied, and maybe even plan to be buried there. And though the American graphic artist and children's book illustrator Mary Engelbert has made this phrase, bloom where you are planted, a very popular one, perhaps you've heard it. It was Jeremiah who first wrote those sentiments in chapter 17 of his book. Blessed are those who trust in God, whose trust is God, for they shall be like a tree planted by the water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of the drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. We can hear the refrain of bloom where you are planted in Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. We also hear a new note a new song, if you will. In the voice of Jeremiah, 
God speaks and says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to God on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. The first time you, or maybe the fifth time or the 10th time, or for some of you, the 410th time, you hear a passage, maybe a little word or a little perspective suddenly becomes clearer. I can't remember that I noticed in this passage until today as I was reading it with you that God is the one who sends the people into exile. I always thought it was that mean old Nebuchadnezzar. But God claims to have done this. And here it is again. I have sent you into exile. And there I'm telling you, I'm asking you, I'm commanding you to seek the welfare of the place in which you find yourselves. So God's word to the exile was to seek the welfare of their whole world, including their enemies. God's word to them is to pray, not just for the us, but for the them. For our lives are inextricably bound together. You know, God's word through Jeremiah is particularly striking when we consider the utter lack of repentance or any attempt of peacemaking on the part of the Babylonians. They weren't going to be involved in that. Other texts in this week's readings also address that same relationship between insiders and outsiders. There's a lesson in that the Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to people in Belarus, in Ukraine, and in Russia. All of these people in their respective countries who work for civil society, for human rights, for peace, and for democracy. And this fact invokes the presence of God's goodness in all of those places. Friends, the truth is that in 2022, we continue to know internal and international conflicts. There are individuals, there are parties, nations, and communities that would see others destroyed and would see us destroyed nationally, politically, religiously, socially, economically. God's word is still, pray for our enemies and seek the welfare of the whole. So we might ask, is there a Jeremiah 
to speak to us today. Full disclosure, as they say, I watch Stephen Colbert, the talk show host. And recently, he was talking with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you know who that is? He is such an interesting person, an astrophysicist. And he's the kind of scientist who is as excited as you may have been on your first discovery. The first time you discovered something, something blooming, something amazing, stars in the sky, he is that excited when he talks. He's the author, most recently, of the book called Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization. And Colbert, Colbert sorry, who, as you may know, is a faithful Catholic, both big C and little c. He asked Tyson, what is a cosmic perspective? So here, this kind of big guy, an animated guy with a full mustache, talking eyebrows, and hair cut short in dark curls, said, it's what the world and all your problems and all your issues and what everybody is arguing about. And it's what that looks like when you ascend and look back on the earth. And that perspective of looking back on the earth, it changes you. Do you know what he was referring to? I bet you remember. Some of you may have seen more recently the pictures from NASA's web. Have you seen these? This is so small, I, I know you can't begin to see, but this is a new camera that, um, and, and space probe that has multiple, I, I can't even describe it, but most multiple cameras that give us so, so much of a sharper vision. So this is the landscape of a star being born. But that's not what Tyson was referring to. Think about it, he said. The seemingly new amazed author, he moves his hands up to form the earth and he fidgets around in his chair as if he's strapped into an IMAX theater with a full screen view of the satellite images of the earth. Think about it, he says, when we went to the moon, and forget the geopolitics of it. Yes, we went to the moon to explore the moon and to beat the Russians to it. But while we were there, we looked back over our shoulder and discovered Earth for the first time. Do you remember that picture? It's been published in so many different ways. And there was the Earth in all of its majesty, he says, lifting up his hands in praise and awe. You think he's going to start singing. There was Earth without all the color-coded countries we were trained on in elementary school so that you know where who your friends are and who your enemies are. Think 
about how inculcating that is an educational trajectory. He uses big words. He's a scientist. But we, we understand, he says, there's only Earth as nature has intended us to see it, with oceans and land and clouds. And that changes you. We went to the moon in 1969, and we stopped going there in 1972. I graduated high school in 1973. You know, do you remember what happened, though, in those three or four years? Tyson reminds us, we created the Environmental Protection Agency, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and we had the very first Earth Day. All of that happened in a matter of years because we saw the Earth. Tyson says, there was a firmware update. He uses that tech term for, that means you've increased or enhanced your user experience. So he's saying, once we saw the Earth this way, we had an upgrade in how we experienced the Earth. It was an upgrade to our perception. Our perception of Earth changed to that of a holistic entity that we need to protect. Not all of us can go to space. And 50 years ago, we stopped going for a while. And then, just this year, NASA's web cameras revealed those cosmic cliffs and glittering landscape of a star's birth. Not all of us can go to space, but we can have a cosmic perspective. Not all of us are sent into exile. Some of us remain. We can each bloom where we are planted, or in some cases, replanted. And we may each and all seek the good of where we are. Seek the good of the city, of the country, of the earth, of the whole. May we do so as God has commanded us. In the name of the God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Billy? Here we go.
Please stand as you are able as we affirm our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, in God the Father, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born under Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In our time of prayer, our prayers will be based on Psalm 111, which is very familiar to us, and yet I'm able to bring in new language that um, the, the psalm has been more recently translated by an Episcopal priest and Hebrew scholar. Her name is Will Gaffney. And so you'll notice some differences um, but I hope they add to your prayer, uh, your, your praying. Uh, some of you may or may not know that uh, both Pastor Caitlin and her husband, Patrick, and two of their children have had COVID. And she had asked me to come and preach so that she could go over to First Pres uh, to hear the girls sing in the children's choir so I don't know if that's happening for them or not today. Um, certainly want to keep them in our prayers. Uh, such a wonderful family. Um, Patrick and I have worked together. I've worked as an interim at um, First Pres. And I'm sure you know people who have also been affected, not only by COVID, but uh, by the droughts and the floods in different places. Um, we do indeed have a nation divided in many ways, and so we pray for ourselves and for the world. Let us pray, remembering that Psalm 111 calls us also to praise. Alleluia. With our whole hearts, we thank you, holy God. We stand with the upright. We sit among those you gather. We walk with those who delight in your great works. Creator of all, we seek the good of all in whom you live and move and breathe. For majestic are the works of your hands, of you, we sing. All glory belongs to you, God, gracious and compassionate one, 
Faithful and true are the works of your hands. Of your love there is no end. You have revealed your presence in many and varied ways. You bring a change of seasons with cooler temperature, leaves turned, apples ripened. Ever mindful of your covenant, changes we shall not fear. Mother of all, you calm our fears in our reverence for you. Your spirit intercedes for us. You send us out into the world, companions with Jesus in truth and life. We ask that you would reveal your power again today for those we name to you in prayer. We lift these names to you, for to you they are much more than names. They are your precious children, your creatures of all nations, tribes, lands, and places. They are sisters, brothers, co-workers, unhoused neighbors, strangers, partners. They are, we are all, yours. You know joys and burdens, you know our fears and wonder. And so we trust you with our prayers, not only because we know you have the power to answer, but because we have seen that you are faithful and just. And the promises we claim today are the same as those your people have claimed across the generations and will claim across the starry skies and universes. Renew in us the perceptions of wisdom in the spirit of reverence, for reverence of you is the beginning of wisdom, and to find that in our end is our beginning, in our time, eternity. We ask these things and all unuttered prayers in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Practicing gratitude can change our lives as individuals. It can change our lives as a congregation. In the spirit of gratitude to God, our giving is not reduced to ethical duty, but it is elevated to delight and joy. As we offer to God these gifts, let us also offer our praise.
Will you please stand and sing with me the doxology? Praise God from, from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. God above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us pray. God who gives life to all things and richly provides us with everything, use these, our offerings, to bring good news to the poor, hope to the hopeless, to show your power, to reconcile and redeem. We ask all things in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. And Lily will lead us in our final hymn. Bless me.
and now let us go into the world in peace, returning no one evil for evil, but supporting the weak and the faint-hearted. And may the grace of God, the love of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit guide us in the days ahead. Amen.